Hello and welcome back to episode 70 of Booze, Booms and Busts, the podcast where we review beer while at the same time discussing some of the recent events in the markets. My name is Boaz Shoshan and I'm joined as ever by Sam Volkering. Sam, how are you getting on this evening? Okay, Boaz, uh, getting on pretty well. I'm, uh, the week's been an okay week, looking forward to this weekend. Um, can't complain too much, I don't think. I don't think it's too much to, to worry about right now. Oh well, uh, I think we're uh, we're very lucky to be in such a situation, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I say there's not too much to worry about, but it's all it's all perspective, right? It is. It is all relative, isn't it? Um, yeah, I've got to say, yeah, 2022. What? Yeah, what do you think of 2022 so far? Come on, we've had two weeks to examine the goods. <laughs> I think didn't we make comment about this the other week when it was like, oh, is it 2022 or is it 2020 or is it 2021 yeah. still? Yeah, it certainly feels like 2020 to me. I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah. Then 2019 feels like 10 years ago. So, see, 2019 feels like a completely different planet. Mm, not not yeah, just like, like a like couple a, of years ago. It feels like, you know, we've colonized uh, Saturn and we're dancing on the fucking asteroid rings around Saturn. That's how far away it feels. Mm. Yeah, you ever uh, you ever uh, like read any of those stories where which is said about how the future. Uh, whereas like people travel into the future are like the the privileged aristocrats and the past just becomes an area for like the the underclasses and so there's a sort of struggle from people in the past to try and get into the future using this time travel technology that gets uh, you know uh, you know that's hidden away and uh, and severed uh, and kept away from uh, the the unwashed masses i feel like 29 in this case though people would be going back to 2019 <laughs> That's where the privileged elites are living as we speak, whereas uh, we have to just uh, make do in the 2020s. Yeah, I think it's going to change. I mean, I said I think it's going to change for the last two years, <laughs> but at, at some point, right, it's kind of like, who was that dude that kept calling like the um, subprime mortgage crisis for like 10 years prior and he was wrong and he was wrong and he was wrong. He was yeah. wrong and he's wrong and he's wrong and he's wrong. And then he was right. Probably a few of those, yeah, yeah. I think it's um, the same, same thing with all this, right? It's going to change and we'll be wrong, we'll be wrong, we'll be wrong. But then we'll be right. I'll be like, ha, I told you so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I see, what is it? Change is the only only constant in life. You know, it's the only thing that you can bet on. Yeah. But, uh, death, they never, taxes, they never death, qualify. Change. Yeah, they, they never clarify just exactly how long it's going to take for for the change to be to be noticeable. You know, well, it, it feels like people have have. I mean, I I tell you what, I really hate this term because it's used for new normal. No, it's used for some somewhat you know weird fucking views, but uh, people are starting to wake up <laughs> <laughs> to the fact that there's two sets of rules in society for those <laughs> the privileged privileged elites and the rest of us yeah um, don't, don't get me wrong i'm not waking up to fucking 5g implants controlling us all from bill gates's fucking lair that's not oh, the i woke up to that up. a long time ago yeah yeah i mean i was on i was on that last you know 10 meter roll of tinfoil i bought from sainsbury's <laughs> so um but you Order. know people are realizing that things are not actually out there for the benefit of of the people they're out there for the benefit of self-serving um Fuck wits, or, or is that a, a term I, I recently came across? Dick splash. <laughs> oh, that's a new one on me. Um, I must say, Sam, I, I don't know. Are we, what, what kind of signal are we sending out? Considering the fact that we've brought our own booze. 
podcast. <laughs> is this, what kind of signal? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, look. Is this an endorsement? Uh, all right. All right. So if we want to talk about BYOB, I've been an advocate of the BYOB for a very, very long time. And again, this is not this this is not something that is overly done here in the UK, but it is it is a staple of existence in Australia. I mean, from being a kid all the way up until the the day I left, the BYOB is one of the greatest things of all time. It, many you would often not even step into a restaurant unless on the front door it said B Y O B, and you would literally like the greatest Chinese restaurants in Melbourne are B Y O B, and and I frankly it's not a party unless it's a B Y O B party. I mean, I, I'm I'm a B Y O B advocate from way back. I'm I'm I'm, I'm more for B Y O B. I think it depends on what the actual definition of BYOB is, because, you know, when you say it's not a staple over here, I mean, I would say that BYOB is very much a staple in Scotland. It's just that uh, you're bringing your own booze just wherever you go, and they don't, it's not necessarily in a social environment. So, you know, if you're, you're, uh, you're an alcoholic who's just drinking at home, you're, it's always BYOB, you know? I mean, every, every social party is a BYOB. I think my, my uh, point is that... Um, in, in the broader scheme of society, whether it be restaurants, the office, anywhere else, it's all about BYOB. Mm. Because we, let, I, let's be honest, often, you know, if you were to go to a party where your friends were choosing the piss, most of the time it's going to be shit. So y- y- you're going for the BYOB because you want to enjoy yourself. Not, of course. Not drink yourself into some ungodly Audi special despair. I uh, I certainly wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> but I think maybe we should come up with like an alternate uh, an alternate use of the acronym there, where you got uh, well. I mean, it's always I, I'm always uh, it's always bring your own Boaz for me, obviously, because that's just wherever I go, right? But BYOB. I mean, you should it could, get that it tattooed be, somewhere. Uh, you could get it. It could become a Bitcoin thing. So you know the whole the government initiative to get rid of what they call self hosted wallets where it's just privately, where, where they're saying that you, no, 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 you, you should own Bitcoin, but we should control the wallet, right? Yeah, yeah that, that's how you should own Bitcoin. We should be the ones who hold it, which of course goes totally against the, uh, the, the spirit of the entire idea. It becomes a complete waste of time. But you know, it could be bring your own Bitcoin because it's only yours if you've got the private keys, right? Well, Maybe isn't, isn't uh, in crypto circles, isn't it also sort of commonly used as be your own bank? Ah, yes. Yeah, you're right. That is good. It feels like it feels like people are trying to bastardize and adopt the BYOB for their own self-serving purposes. And I think, yeah. it's I think a, we it's need a, some clarification on, on what BYOB really should be. Maybe you should run something run. There should be some sort of referendum on the use of BYOB. We should create a governing body, a ratings agency to uh, to make it very clear what the definition of BYOB is. It's like a one one word dictionary, but it's very, very long, stating exactly how <laughs> BYOB must be used and in what circumstances. In every social context, whether it's a BYOB garden party or whether it's a BYOB Chinese restaurant or whether it's just Boaz at home on his own. <laughs> I remember somebody making a joke about bring your own body and it was something to do with like a like a murderer or something. I can't remember what the, what the news story was, but somebody Everyone was rocks like, up with like a black garden bag with that's just dripping blood out the bottom of it. Yeah, it's like a rear window or something where that guy's uh, 
you know, he's, he's, uh, he's vanishing in the middle of the night with his briefcase and whatnot. <laughs> well, on the start, on the on topic of bringing your own booze, what are you drinking this evening, Asa? Well, funnily enough, I brought my own booze. Um, I feel like I've I can't, I've got to this point where sometimes now I'm I've, I'm like ordering beer and I'm not referring to um, our list of what I have. I haven't before, and I think I might have had this before. It's I might have even had this in the last couple of weeks, and it just may be a double up. Um, it's a Pulsar a Hazy Session IPA from the Wild Beer Co. Um, I think I, I think one of us has had that. I think I've had that at some point. Um, a five point, a five no four point seven percent. Yeah, it's 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 pretty good. Smooth, juicy. Yeah, that's what it says on the tin. Um, Hazy session IPA. Pretty good so far. Mm. So good. Uh, I'm being very uh, very loyal and very self promotional here in that I'm still drinking a nice matured blockhead from Cheddar Ales, uh, which you know. It's uh, it is a real marvel to drink, I must say. That reminds uh, me, I had a um, I had one of our uh, second batch uh, quantitative easing or quantitative ease the other day. Oh, very nice. Uh, the ones they did with the fancy labels that they did uh, for South Bank. Yep. Um, very good, very good. Even better yeah, than yeah. the first time. I do need to get back in touch with Cheddar Ales uh, because I know they are uh, they are still keen to collaborate and there's much more that we can do. It's just been uber busy for me recently, but I shall do that. That's my uh, yeah. That, that's a task for this weekend. I shall get back in touch and we'll uh, yeah we'll get back to work on something because there is um, well you know BYOB and uh, we've got to keep BYOB right. I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like a name of a beer, a new name of beer should be Djokovic's Visa. <laughs> You've got yeah, it needs to be a good pun. What but I mean, uh, are the Australian government cancelling this beer for a second time? It should be it should be some sort of uh some sort of beer that is is banned from being sold in Australia. Well, we could we could that that can certainly be arranged, I think. <laughs> I think that could that could quite easily be arranged, considering the kind of restrictions you guys are imposing on everybody. Uh, I mean, what isn't illegal for importation to Australia these days? um does it need to be a vaccinated beer or something i think uh, yeah I'm, I'm thinking unless it's branded pfizer or <laughs> moderna or even the, even then if really if it's moderna no one in australia really wants it it's like the dirty vaccine is um, it yeah yeah there's this whole thing i love this i love this intra vaccination like rivalries that are going on now it's like it's like the state of origin if people don't know what the state of origin is, state of origin is um, particularly in rugby rugby league it's like the biggest competition in rugby league in australia between new south wales and queensland it is like it is like a fierce rivalry it would be I, I can't even draw a parallel. It would be like the French and the English uh, fighting a war against each other. That's that's the kind of deep-seated... It's not uh, just like the Ashes or something, except... No, it's, it's, it's a stronger hatred than the Ashes. Oh, right, right. It's, it's deep and it's, and it's extensive. Um, but that's what it's like with Pfizer and Moderna. It's like you're, you're Pfizer or you're Moderna. And, and it's you're like... People would were I, I think I think it might have changed a little bit, but it was when people when, when all that stuff was like Moderna, you know, causes all these other things, and people were like I'm not taking it. It's like the dirty vaccine. But anyway, what about Johnson and Johnson, man? Well, who, has anybody who has anybody had that? I'd love to. Who hear in Australia is repping for J and J? Isn't everyone that took the J and J? Are they dead? That's <laughs> what happened. That's why we never hear about. I remember never, those, we never hear about. I, I remember because I, I it's very memorable to me. Um, 
in the the J and J one, it was meant to just be one shot, and so that's very memorable when you're thinking right. of how things have changed. Do you know where what? Co- countries are saying, actually, you need six shots now. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna give you like two more the year after or whatever. It's so ridiculous. But yeah, once upon a time, Johnson and Johnson said, you just need one of these. And you'll be completely fine. Everything will go back to normal if you just take one of these. I, I think the thing working against Johnson and Johnson is the fact that then they just pay out like a massive, uh, uh, massive civil suit against uh, a massive um, was it class action suit because their fucking talcum powder gave everyone cancer or something. Oh yeah, yeah. I think. But that don't was... worry, guys. Don't... Yeah, J and J. But, but our vaccine's cool. Well. Our vaccine's cool. <laughs> Is is yeah? Is it, are they not splitting up? Are they not? And everyone, the big joke is, oh, is one of them going to be called Johnson and the other one going to be called Johnson? Oh, so funny. Oh, oh that's good. That's uh, I reckon it must have taken out a lot of time for people to come up with that joke. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think they are splitting up. I don't know what they're splitting up into. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, the yeah. talcum powder business and <laughs> the vaccine business. Well, no, so he, so here's, I think the fucked up thing, I can't remember if this was them or if this was like a company like Pfizer or somebody, but one of these big, big uh, farmers, they had to pay out a massive, um, a massive class action suit. And what they did was they effectively just rolled that division of the business into its own company and oh, yeah. didn't fund it. Was, it so Purdue? Was... was that Purdue Pharma? The, um, uh, the I think a couple of them have done it before. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so basically then it went into administration, didn't have the money to pay out the class action. So yep. uh, shifty fuckers. <laughs> yeah, that's the Sackler family. Uh, well, they definitely did that with their, with, um, their OxyContin. I think it was OxyContin. I think it was done recently. I'm, I, I, I do not quote me. This is an assumption, but I think J&J have done it with the talcum powder thing. Oh, right, right. Yeah, it's probably standard practice for these kind of people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, okay, okay. Come on, Sam. Why is nobody repping for Sputnik? In well, so this is the thing, right? Isn't it? I don't even... Where I think no one's Sputnik repping for it because you, you can't even get into the country if you've got it, I think. It's not recognized, right? No, it's not. A friend of mine's got it. And, uh, and it doesn't help for getting into the UK. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. What, what about Sinopharm? Is the Sinopharm one... Uh, considered okay in Oz? It's probably the best of a lot of them, right? I mean, <laughs> if they made the fucking thing in the first place, then surely they've made the best vaccine for it. I mean, yeah. if you get one, I reckon that'd be the one you'd want. If you if you like the milk, buy the cow. Yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, that's actually a pretty good analogy. I like that. Yeah. Uh, i tell you what, completely changing subject. Um, or think, well, sort of. I mean, speaking about things that are fake. <laughs> you know um uh so today right i uh i was i can't remember what i was what i was searching for um but anyway i stumbled across a logan paul video that he'd uploaded oh, we to really YouTube. are changing tack here yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so i i like i've literally genuinely never seen a logan paul youtube video in my life but this one caught my my eye because the head the, it, had, it had been it was published yesterday i think and uh, the title was How I Lost $3.5 million on Fake Pokemon Cards. Straight away, that caught my attention. And I've watched <laughs> this video and it, he, he, he bought what he believed was the only sealed pack of first edition Pokemon cards in the world that contained six boxes of unsealed first edition Pokemon cards. And... Um, 
and he bought it for three and a half million off this guy that he knew that and that's a mate of his who bought it off this other guy for like two and a half million so so this guy bought it for two and a half million off some guy that was a bit sketchy but he bought it anyway because it look, had all the it looked like it was the real deal and it was even said to be the real deal by the people who had allegedly sealed the box itself like this card fucking company or whatever that authenticates a whole bunch of shit so by all means the authenticators said it was authentic this dude had bought it for two and a half million then sold it on to logan paul for three and a half million and if it had played out that these were six boxes of first edition real pokemon cards they reckon the value could have been as high or if not higher than seven million dollars for these cards so nice. you, you should find the video on YouTube. It's fucking hilarious. They go through the whole thing of looking at it and like, yeah, the wrapping, you know, everything on the outside of the box looks legit. And they open it up and the cards inside, not only are they fake, but inside the Pokemon, like the boxes of, of Pokemon first, alleged first edition cards, it's just GI Joe cards. It's not even, it's not even oh, fake wow. Pokemon cards. It's just GI Joe cards and not even like original GI <laughs> Joe cards, just, fake like fake gi joe cards in a fake pokemon box it's the funniest thing i've ever Insult seen to injury huh but like I, the thing that blew me away was i had no idea that first edition pokemon cards were so expensive either i think it's relatively recently uh, like in the last several years that they've blown up quite so much i think it's just it, it comes from all these millennials uh who had you know strong experiences with pokemon when they were kids uh, you know once they actually start making money they start so so many of them don't want to grow up but they like buying these things in their in adulthood and it's created this big market for them but maybe it's the same with like, magic people, gathering stuff so they're the people that maybe the, they're the people that have pushed the price of pokemon cards up are the ones from 2019 that are still living in 2019 and they've mm. come back to the 2020s to dump their cards yeah on on the 2020 plebs, poor people that are living in the 2020s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the unter classes who yeah. are uh, who are who are you know forbidden from returning to the to the glories of the pre Wu flu era. So I, like, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, after you. I was gonna. I was just like, I'm wondering. So what's what's the next thing? What what is the next <laughs> thing from the past that becomes stupidly valuable? Mm, this is uh, this where can I get it early? <laughs> well, uh, I've got a big thing for Camel cigarette merch from the nineties. That's that's one thing, but I don't think, I don't think that it's going to get in vogue again. Uh, may, like maybe it will, but the original Joe Camel. Uh, so uh, talking about companies behaving badly, right? The guys behind Camel cigarettes paid an enormous fine uh, when they were found to deliberately be using uh, children's. Uh, their, their adverts were deliberately designed to appeal to children so that when children became of smoking age or before that they would buy cigarettes so you have the the image of joe camel who is a who is a you know the whole pun is smooth character who is a camel uh with a huge well he's a humanoid figure but he wears a but he has a you know a camel's head who wears sunglasses and he's depicted in all of these smooth situations and you have some of these ridiculous magazine adverts of him like uh you know so him he's effectively in top gun he's like on an aircraft carrier or he's you know at a beach in miami or he's you know on a yacht or something like that or in vegas um and yeah i, I like some of the old the old camel cigarette merch however 
like I can't imagine at a time in the future where this will become this will become popular again in some sort of niche way because people still I've seen that cigarettes are, are popular again. Uh, so like young people like Zoomers quite like cigarettes. Some of them uh, to get away from vapes because vapes are seen as something that is quite uh, is quite old or it's quite it's something that boomers do. <laughs> so you do see that cigarettes still have something of a following. Uh, so I can imagine, you know, maybe maybe cigarette merch, but I'm kind of talking my book here because uh, I just like uh, tobacco products. Wow, not not in New Zealand. Did you see what they're, what they're doing in New Zealand with cigarettes? Oh, yeah, they're just banning them outright. Yeah, so they're banning them for, I think, everyone under the age of 18, which, you know, whatever. But then every year they're going to increase the age of which they're banned by a year which effectively means that right now, anybody under the age of 18, by the time they're 40, it won't matter. They'll, they'll be banned. The ban will be uh, for everyone under the age of 58 at, at that stage. If you're born today in New Zealand, then by the time you're, you turn 40, there'll be a ban for everyone under the age of 58 from buying cigarettes. Wait, so so just all, in, only old people can smoke? Yeah, so literally it'll, it'll, it'll only be old people that'll be able to smoke until all the 18 year olds today until they're all dead and then it'll be just a ban for everyone is it not the old people who are kind of like the more vulnerable ones so you'd want to stop smoking cigarettes no but they've not done it the other way around imagine the countdown from 70 or something imagine like 70 years to like 80 or like 90 years time when in new zealand you're the last person alive yeah, yeah. legally the, allowed be, to buy cigarettes. It's going to be the last, and everyone's asking him. His entire <laughs> job is just going to the shop to buy cigarettes. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I can imagine would, that. Imagine the black market. So there you go. Maybe that's the next big collectible thing. Yeah, black market cigarettes in New Zealand. We're going to quit, Sam, and we're just going to run a smuggling operation into New Zealand. <laughs> we're just going to go to Russia. We'll buy a shit ton of Sobranis, and then we'll just we'll just ferry him you know, secretly into, into New Zealand. And, st- and start we'll striking exclusive like deals with, with as, as like the, el- the, the, the oldest people in New Zealand as they start getting towards that cliff. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a nursing home that we have to, to ship yeah. them into. So we, we smuggle, <laughs> we dive into, into port, you know, it's all underwater with watertight containers, etc. And then we'll sneak into the back of some nursing home and that's our main distributing center. And then the old guys in there will deal them out to all, to all the kids who want them. I must say, like Australia, you guys just, well, I say you guys because the UK has gone mad as well, but Australia and New Zealand, it's a very particular (laughs) flavor of going insane that you guys are uh, really indulging in right now. Yeah, it feels like in in the cities, at least, they've just lost their minds. I mean, if I was there right now, I'd I'd probably have moved out to the country by this point, just away from it all. because yeah, it seems like in the in the metropolitan areas in the capital cities, it's just gone batshit crazy. But um, I, I I mean, I've got fa- friends and family that have spent a lot of time out in the country, and it seems pretty normal out there. It seems like the 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 rational heads of um, rural folk uh, can can <laughs> nothing really changes for them. So is this uh, is this just what happens when the cosmopolitan elite cannot get a Starbucks latte every every Monday during lockdown? They just go completely <laughs> insane. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would agree with that, except for the fact that there are like no Starbucks in Australia. They just, so you must have Starbucks, like loads of equivalent stuff, though, don't you? Yeah, I mean, Starbucks tried to roll out to Australia, but they couldn't compete with the coffee culture that was out there, and just they just couldn't justify the economic expenditure um, when they were getting smashed by the smaller competition. 
Yeah, I think Starbucks. I, I think they 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 once opened a uh, they once opened a Starbucks in Rome, and just like it, it just yeah. it went it shuttered really really quickly just because <laughs> the coffee culture is just total. Like it is actively scorned uh, by by Italians. Like um, even now, if I buy if I buy a Starbucks, uh, which I rarely do, but occasionally do, if I buy a Starbucks here, even in the UK, I feel dirty for doing it. it feels like I'm not actually buying coffee. Well, I mean, it tastes like shit. So, <laughs> it tastes dirty. But I, I remember, I remember uh, you know, once once upon a time when I was uh, when I was young and unemployed, uh, and I I, uh, I had no idea what I was going to be doing with my life. No, I didn't go to university or anything. I did once do like a trial shift at the Starbucks because I used to like drinking uh, like chain coffee for a while, and, um, and you know I needed the money obviously, and I didn't get the job. But I remember the manager there saying that. Um, they actually have to pour chemicals on the coffee grinds that they uh, use in Starbucks coffee just so that it smells like coffee when boiling water is poured on it. Yeesh. Otherwise, it wouldn't, which I thought was like, wow, that's um, that's next level, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't even know where to go with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you learn something new every day. Maybe it was bullshit, but uh, she was the manager and she seemed pretty, I don't think it was a joke. Like so. they Febreze the, the shop before, yeah. you know, every morning with, with the coffee, coffee flavored Febreze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it didn't, it didn't taste, it didn't sound very healthy. And I, I've not been, a, not been very much into Starbucks after that. But yeah, I mean, you guys have the, uh, what was it? Is it Australian flat white? Is it the Australians who came up with flat white? Yeah, yeah, the Aussies came up with the flat white. That's, uh, that's a true story. I think it, it originated in Melbourne, actually. Um, which for anyone that doesn't know what a flat white is, it's, it's, a, um, it's a latte with less froth and less milk. <laughs> yeah, they, they call the froth microfoam or some yeah. shit to make it, to make it distinct. Yeah, the, the micro, it is microfoam. It is microfoam. I'm impressed you know that it's microfoam. <laughs> it's better. Like McDonald's adopted it. So every, you know, every time you go to McCafe here in the UK, there's a flat white. There's flat whites at every fucking little coffee hut you go to now. It's, it's sort of spread like wildfire because people realize that you don't need an absolute shit ton of milk in your coffee to make it enjoyable. Um, for me, the flat white is the preferred way uh to have have my coffee truly we we live in such a civilized society don't we don't we sam this yeah is, we're, uh... we're really struggling aren't we <laughs> <laughs> so when uh yeah so when you're you know in prison in australia because for whatever reason the australian government has decided that you are not vaccinated enough you can rejoice in perhaps managing to acquire a mccafe flat white <laughs> and uh yeah and enjoy Australia's, uh, yeah, the what? What do yeah? You know, it's called England's green and pleasant land. What's the phrase in Australia? There's got to be something uh, similar, right? Um, for what to describe the country? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. The states have got like each of the states have always come up with like a slogan for like the state that goes on the car number plates. You know, every other year or something. I remember when I was younger, uh, Victoria was was. The slogan was Victoria, the garden state. Um, all right. And, That's and like all, Kent. The, all the number plates had the garden state um, it, it imprinted on them. Uh, as for the country itself, I don't know. The, the um, um, turn back the boats. I don't know. Is <laughs> <laughs> the one that's called the prison state now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Novak's nemesis. I don't know. 
Yeah, it's like well, I'm thinking of like military patches, you know, where it's got the they've got the tongue in cheek, oh, uh, you know, slogans know. underneath and whatever. Um, well, like a oh, Navy well. SEALs thing. <laughs> I, I do. You... I'm sure there is something, but it shows the depth of um, care factor that I have mm. for it. Okay. What, what's your take on I Because I've not followed the Djokovic thing at all. I'm not a tennis guy. Um, what's, what's actually happened with all this? Can you give us a, a comical brief rundown? Okay. Comical brief rundown. Uh, so the Australian Open, one of the big tennis tournaments is out there, uh, is happening every January. So one of the four Grand Slams. If Novak has won it many times. Uh, he was returning. He was planning to return out there to win. If, if he won it again, he would have won more Grand Slams than anyone in history. So this was the big one, right? This is like he'd surpass Federer, Nadal, and he will have he will be like arguably one of the greatest of all time, if not the greatest of all time in terms of Grand Slam numbers. Anyway, Tennis Australia sent out instructions to the tennis players saying that if you were unvaccinated, but you had COVID uh, and you'd recovered from it, you'd be okay to come out. He applied to come out with an exemption on that basis, I think. Uh, he was told he could come out. He got to Australia's border control. So if, if, has anyone ever, if you've ever watched, um, um, uh, uh, what is it? Um, is it Australia's border control like TV yeah. show? Yeah, it's called Nothing to Declare, I think. Oh, right. Yeah, it's, I've seen, I see it on like late night TV channels. Yeah. You get, like there's always reruns of that. Yeah. Um, so if anyone has seen that show, that's exactly what happens. And he would have rocked up to the border control officers with his information and his visa. They would have, you know, looked at him, looked at the computer, typed some shit, looked at him, looked back at the computer, typed some more shit, looked at him, maybe looked over the other shoulder to one of their colleagues, give oh, him a yeah, little right. head flick, like I come over here, mate, maybe gone back to their computer, looked back at him, typed some shit, crossed their arms, folded their arms in front of themselves and then said, nah. You're not coming in. Visa denied. And so then someone would have come from a side, a manager, or maybe some extra security. They would have said, sorry, sir, you're not allowed into our country. Taking him to a, a, a booth, a private booth, where they would interrogate and question him on his reason for coming to Australia. Um, you know, they they would play, they would have played dumb. They would have, they would have pretended they didn't know who he was. Do you know who I am? He, I don't think he would have pulled that card, but oh, they really? certainly would have would have gone, Mr. Djokovic, um, what is your reason for being in Australia? And he may have said, I'm about to become the greatest tennis player of all time in your country that I've donated millions of dollars of charity to, uh, to help things like the uh, wildlife appeals and the bushfire appeals that you regularly run. Um, which I have helped contribute to. Um, and they would have said, thank you for that information. You are denied. Which then led to a court case. And the court said, actually, you guys didn't follow the due process for denying somebody a visa. So therefore it's overturned and he can come in. So he's like, yay. People were protesting in the streets, jumping on cars, getting pepper sprayed by the police because there were too many people in one location. All of this wait, is wait, true, wait. by the way. None, none of this is made up. None of this is made up. All right, all right. All right. So 
So when he was being held and detained, so he he did go into a detention facility. Because um, he wasn't vaccinated or because, no, because he was denied entry to the country. So before being deported, while he was appealing the decision, he was held in detention. Um, and this is the same detention center where there have been detainees that have been held for years, I might add, um, yeah, yeah. because their visas have been denied, but they've not been deported because they're going through uh, like the, the, the issues here are far wide and reaching. Anyway, yeah, yeah. while he's in detention, people started protesting. And then it was came out that the court overturned the appeal and he was free to go, which led to great cheer from the protesters, which some weird reason led to protesters jumping on the car, which they thought he was leaving um, his lawyer's office in. Um, and then there were so many people around that the police pepper sprayed the crowd when this was happening. Um, strange phenomenon. Nonetheless, wait, wait. The- he- the Got reason it. why his visa was declined was because he wasn't vaccinated or he said he'd had COVID and so he didn't need it or something? Uh, it, it was said that his medical exemption didn't apply. So he was told that it did it, that it was um, it was fine for his visa. But then I think his visa was the wrong one for the exemption that he was applying for. Oh, the nice. semantics yeah. of it, I'm not 100% sure. The court case transcript probably has it. But anyway, the court overturned the decision and said, you know, you can stay. You're okay. So he was free and started practicing. In the meantime, the health minister in Australia said, I hold personal power to reject the visa of anyone. And I I have not yet decided, in short, <laughs> I have not yet decided if I will cancel his visa or not. Anyway, come yesterday i think it was maybe the the health minister said in the interest of public uh health and safety in the interest of the public good he was going to cancel djokovic's visa again do you reckon the health minister had a lot of money on on, at the bookies on uh, djokovic not winning well, so this is the thing, right? The, this decision came in, I think, at 9.30 p.m. Uh, on Friday night in Australian time. So this is 12 hours ago, I think, roughly, from when people will probably be listening to us here. And uh, Djokovic's lawyers knew, must have knew it was coming because they said they had their appeal ready to go basically an hour later. And so it, it's now in the process of being appealed. So he's actually getting kicked out again. From, this is the second time he's being right. being kicked out of the country, um, and and now it's back in the court as to whether it it, it will it will uh, it, he'll be allowed to stay or not. So it's like the biggest. It is he's become this like he is single handedly. By the way, I'll, I'll add he's done nothing wrong, right? All he's done, and people will be like, oh, he had COVID and then went to some like events in Spain and Serbia or whatever. It's like whatever. That's a different country in terms of going to Australia. And playing in the Australian Open, he has done nothing wrong, and he is is literally just been demonised by an entire country. I saw I saw a thing the other day. One of the papers did a survey of sixty thousand people, and eighty percent of them said that he should be deported. Oh my lord! <laughs> uh, and it's just become this political farce. Like it is the it is the most absurd thing in the world. Um, and uh, yeah, that's about where we're at. Now the book is right. I just checked my bet three six five account earlier today. They've still got him as equal favorite to win the whole tournament. So either they're really confident that he's going to win the appeal and play, 
or I think as somebody on Twitter did point out to me, I think the bets might be voided if he doesn't play at all. Um, yeah. So it's kind of like, as, as, as it was pointed out, it's kind of like an option on him now to, to winning the tournament. Um, but it's mental, man. Like we talk a lot about uh, the markets and things like that, but this is one of the most absurd <laughs> series of events uh, I've, I've seen. And it just comes, it just shows that when it comes to the, you know, the whole, you know, status of your vaccination and things like that. Um, there are some places where it's just, you don't know whether you're coming or going, what your left or your right is. It's impossible to tell. And that that's kind of the state of affairs that's going to, that, that, that we're in at the moment is just this absurd, absurd level of, um, it's Bullshit. almost like it's a parody, like politics is parodying itself with some of the things that they're doing. Like all these parties and shit at number 10 and, 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 and different count, different fucking MPs and stuff. It's, it's the absurdity of it is, uh, is astounding, but reflective of the, you know, of everything right now, I guess. Yeah. Life imitates art or something. Um, yeah. It's a, it just seems so, so peculiar. Uh, I mean, who's, uh, who's, uh, who would be the, the, the favorite if Djokovic doesn't play? Um, uh, I'm just checking that. I know Nadal was, um, Nadal was still sort of loosely one of the sort of top five or six, uh, five or six favorites. There's a guy, Daniel, is it Daniel? Hang on. I'm going to pull this up. This is, this is not great for podcasting. Come on, Bet365. Uh, to win outright, Australian Open on Bet365. Here's the current book. Uh, here it is. You know, it is. It's, it's uh, Daniil Medvedev at 250. Novak Djokovic, 250. Alexander Zverev, four. Rafael Nadal, eight. Uh, and then it goes down. Stefanos Sipas, Yannick Sinner, Andre Rublev. I don't even know half of the people on here anymore. Andy Murray's at 81 to one. <laughs> um, so he's got not much of a chance, you wouldn't think. Well, I'm sure there's plenty of people in uh, in Scotland who'll be uh, waiting, keenly awaiting his match results, whether or not they stay up for the games. Uh, I don't know. And but, <clears throat> yeah, it does seem quite peculiar. I mean, if you were a betting man and uh, you may be from time to time, what, what would you think... Uh, Novo will be able to uh, perform. Yeah, so I am a bit of a sports betting nut. I do love a good bet from time to time. I usually run a few. I usually run a football multi here or there. Or I, I at the start of every year, I may have discussed this in a previous podcast. At the start of the year, I do a mega multi, right? Basically, an outright for all the major sports competitions, and it stems wow. from a, a competition that I used to be in with a bunch of mates back in Australia, where um, he sent the guy would send out a spreadsheet. And basically at the start of the year, you allocate who you think is going to win and who you think is going to be a runner up for all these major sports events. So four grand slams, four major golf tournaments, F1, NBA, NFL, Premier League, Championship, uh, Champions League, uh, hockey, um, uh, Euros, if they're on that year, you know, it just literally was like 30 or 40 different sports events and you'd get points for each one. And everyone would pitch in a hundred bucks to enter the comp. And then it's basically a top three winner takes, I think it was like uh, 70% of the pool, second place, 
took like 20% of the pool and third took like 10% of the pool. So some big money up for grabs and it was just fun, fun shit to do. So I love a good, I love a good bit of sports wagering. And I do that now every year with a, with a mega multi on my bet three, six, five account, put down like two bucks or two quid. And, uh, and, and it's like the payouts, like a million and a half if it comes oh, up. Nice. <laughs> but it never does but you never know maybe one day yeah yeah, yeah. Um, that's how they get you but now play the game. i'm saying novak if, if novak plays he'll win like even even for the sheer fact of it it would be the greatest it would be the greatest tournament of all time if he now plays i think because he will be demonized and vilified by the crowd every shot will be accompanied by a boo i guarantee really they will wait wait, wait. Wait, do- a, wait a minute Fans will hate him. People protesting. So people were protesting that he was being allowed in. Yeah. Right. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. So there were people protesting. No, there were people protesting that he was being held in detention. And they were protesting the fact that he was going to get deported. So they haven't protested that he was allowed in. They were fans protesting his treatment. Then why will then why will always be a boo that accompanies each shot? Because the balance, but like the, I think on the balance of things, people hate him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, Maybe I, he'll I, use I, that energy to, to to win the tournament, eh? Yeah, I reckon. I reckon he would. I reckon it would. I reckon he would go through without dropping a set. I I, I really genuinely hope he now plays, and I'm going to watch every second of every game he plays regardless of the hour just to see him dominate the tournament i think it'll be fan- i think it'll be unbelievable but the chances are he probably won't now because yeah. yeah well if he somehow had allowed in does this not call the uh, the health minister into question as to his career well, so this is the sort of byproduct of all this, right? And this is why it's all of a sudden become this giant political thing because the courts overturned the first one, which kind of says that if you're unvaccinated, you can get into the country, um, which kind of defies the current guidance that Australia has at the moment. Um, I think, I don't, I don't think they're allowing unvaccinated people into the country. Someone can prove me wrong, but then if he now is allowed to stay again, then yeah, you're right. It basically says to the health minister, you're actually not as powerful as you've just made yourself out to be. And then his position would be untenable. So he'd have to, yeah. he'd have to be, he'd have to be gone. It's a, they should have a duel or something, you know, a fight, uh, fight to the death. You know, it's one or the other, right? Yeah, I think, I think that would be this, but with tennis rackets. Um, is, there not, is there not an Australian spin on it we can do? uh could use cricket bats mm, yeah well that would be more entertaining i would say I, i'd definitely go for the cricket cricket bat i think i think the other thing though the, the sort of the bigger picture here as well is that it does it this now really puts into the public eye the real separation of powers you know does does the separation of powers actually work yeah um and yeah. i think we you know we're about to find out yeah. On the topic of, uh, you know, uh, Australian sporting events that went awfully awry, I find the Bodyline series, the Ashes series from the 1930s, uh, a, a subject Great. of con- constant fascination for me. Yeah. Uh, and this is, uh, I, I only discovered it relatively recently because I only got into cricket uh, in, in, you know, probably in 2019, actually. 
But, you know, there was actually during that series in the early 30s, so we're in depression era uh, Australia and tensions are running very high. And uh, England uh, ha have this new captain who is uh, a Scottish hero, of course, called <laughs> Douglas Jardine, who has very unorthodox, a very unorthodox strategy for containing the greatest batsman ever on the Australian side called Donald Bradman, which involves uh, what was called body, well, what came to be known as body line, uh, or what the England team called fast leg theory, which it, wasn't... It, it should, just before you keep going, it should also be noted in this period, there were no such thing as helmets as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a, an altogether slight, well, not an altogether different game, but obviously it was... Uh, you, you were a brave man. You're a lot braver to be a batsman then than, than you would be now because back then they just had their, their caps on. And uh, so uh, Douglas Jardine, uh, in order to contain Donald Bradman, has this thing called fast leg theory where you bowl uh, short, really short balls so the, the ball rises very high. And the idea is he's got, um, he's got a, lo a load of guys, a load of fielders on the off stump uh, so it's, I believe it's three men in formation on the off stump, so on the uh, on the offside from where the the batsman's holding the bat, with the hope that because the ball the ball is coming right at the the batsman's body, he will lift the uh, lift the the bat up to protect himself, and it will bounce off that, and then the the uh, the fielders will quickly catch it. But of course, in doing this, uh, the the bowler is bowling at the man. Uh, and of course, if you're not wearing much protection, this could be very sore. And indeed, during the Bodyline series, uh, though it's not in fast leg theory formation, but it is, it, you know, it is one of these fast bowlers who Douglas Jardine has brought in. Uh, I got a chap fractures his skull, and during this, when this happens, uh, and the batsman ends up saying it was actually my fault. So the ball, uh, you know, it, it was it was a short ball, but the ball did hit his bat and it then struck him on the temple. But he is, you know, his, his skull is fractured. It's a very serious thing. And uh, the crowd is so incensed at this point uh, by these unorthodox methods of play by the English players that uh, a riot uh, almost breaks out. And the England team, so this is the England Ashes team, uh, actually is speaking to each other on the on the wicket uh, wondering if they need to pull the uh, if they need to pull uh, you know the the sticks out in order to defend themselves from the crowd like th this is an actual conversation that is had in professional cricket do what are we going to have what how are we going to defend ourselves when the Australian fans storm the field and try to tear us to pieces now it ends up that the the crowd don't storm the wicket uh, and I think it's due to a completely different thing breaks out uh in within the field or whatever but it's crazy just just to think how close some of these things are uh, in sports and in australia um a very yeah it's a i really wish you could watch all of the bodyline series but you can only see uh, various short clips because it wasn't televised yeah it was, it was it's very very old footage um <laughs> literally the old grainy sort of black and uh, white stuff yeah. orange and white no it wasn't even black and white some of the yeah. footage <laughs> that that vintage uh, yeah, yeah. phenomenal like people should read up on that it is it is a phenomenally crazy uh series that yeah uh, yeah they made a um they made a, a, a tv series based yeah. on it in the 80s with hugo yeah. weaving play you know mr smith agent smith from the matrix playing uh, douglas jardine the england captain which was quite entertaining um <laughs> the, and there's been a few documentaries on it as well but uh, yeah i wonder if um if we'll see riots at the Australian Open, if if Djokovic plays, I guarantee we'll see protests. I guarantee there'll be protests. So protesting that he's been allowed in. 
I think that this, yeah, if he then plays and is allowed to stay and play, I think we'll see protests at the gates of the Australian Open uh, trying to like block people from entering or something. There'll be police. Pre- it, 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 it's a tinderbox out there. Oh, man. Yeah, what's Australia, man? The Australian cities, the, the mentality is just uh, reached fever pitch during lockdown and people are just dying to, uh, to do something. Yeah. Other than just drink flat whites at home. It's yeah, rather than just coming up with new variants of coffee to drink. It's it's, it's just like it's like decades and decades of of of, of pent, pent up, up aggression. Pent up aggression just ready to unleash. Mm. Yeah, I mean I can empathize with that. I mean, um, you know, if there was a uh, yeah, yeah, that's one of the things that I find so disheartening about being in Aberdeen is uh Oh, you know, this uh, high street's dead, man. You can just walk down the middle of the high street uh, in the middle of the night and uh, without really a care in the world. You know, it's, uh, it's very, very quiet, even on nights when it should be a lot busier. People over here still have not recovered their interest. Maybe, yeah, I guess people, some people are comfortable in lockdowns, which I can't really relate to. Mm. Um, and it's, it just makes the city seem way bigger than it should be. It's like being in uh, Belgium, you know, the EU Parliament building. Yeah. It is, it is like 20 times bigger than it needs to be. So it feels it's empty weird, all of the time. Yeah. It's a weird atmosphere around that building, too, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So is this, it echoes and there's, it's just so empty. It's like there's been a, a biological weapon release that just, Look, I, I must admit, I had some outstandingly good uh, fries or frits. Uh, just outside of that building last time oh, yeah. I was there, uh, which, you know, is, is you know, Belgium's pretty, pretty well known for its fantastic frites. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They have them with mayo, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. They got the good beer as well, so, you know. Yeah, there's a lot going for Belgium, um, except for all of the European Commission <laughs> European Union stuff. Their, their food all things go for Belgium, just beer, not the yeah. government. Yeah. Everything that's not to do with the government is outstanding in Belgium. Yeah, that's uh, funny. Yeah, yeah, I had a funny experience in Brussels. Uh, it's a, it's an odd one, but you know, <laughs> to each their own. To each their own. Now, Sam, how would you rate your pulsar? Huh? Um, I, this would be interesting if I rate it. If I can find that I've actually had it before. <laughs> you, yeah, you need to rate it now and then check and see how we've yeah. rated it already. Um, I, I, I give, I give it an A plus. I think. Yeah, it was. It's good, but it's just kind of your standard hazy IPA. Um, it is a bit, bit fruity, maybe a bit too fruity for me. I think um, it was nice though. A plus is still a good rating, so you know. Yep, can I'm go, gonna see can if go I, I'm gonna see if I can find it somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, I I've definitely had Pulsar um, from what is it? Wild is it Wild um, Wild Bruco? Uh, the Wild Beer Co. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, I think in terms of the uh, the blockhead, great as ever, very nice indeed. I am uh, very very lucky to have still got some of that. Maybe yeah, I think we'll, I've still got we'll... a couple kicking around somewhere as well. Maybe we'll do another one at the next halvening, but it'll it'll be um it'll be a lot lower ABV because um <laughs> yeah it'll be it'll be pretty tiny get by that point. Three point uh, what would it be three point one seven five. Yep. Yep. 3.175 ABV. You never see it to three uh, three decimal places, do you, on, on ABV? No. They never bother for it. That'd be classified as a light beer. 
Or would be indeed. In terms of our, our uh, final topic for the day, Sam, I do note that we have not discussed much market news. I mean, I, I introduced this podcast by saying it's, it's where we discuss market events. And yet Nothing. we have discussed instead, well, Nothing. cigarette smuggling, mm-hmm. um, Novak and the, uh, the great joke. And uh, yeah, it's not been market related this. So we probably should end on something market related. Uh, I feel like we should, but I feel like the market's actually probably the most boring part of the world right now. <laughs> yeah, it's not been uh, the most exciting thing. Like there's, there's lots going on, but it's kind of like, eh, yeah, you know, Fed doing its thing still. Bank of England doing its thing still, you know, tech stocks are kind of people a bit worried because the Fed's doing its thing still, but they've not really changed stuff. So it kind of feels a bit like the same old, same old. Yeah. Okay. Well, one thing, I guess there's the insider trading scandal, which I think is a uh, um, politician. That's, that's nice. And that's nice. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of rich intrigue there. So, uh, Clarida at the Fed, a very uh, top-ranking Fed government official. A Fed, well, there is a governor, isn't he? Uh, is li- leaving two weeks earlier. You know, he could have just stayed on for two weeks, but no, 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 two weeks early because uh, he was insider trading. You know, when he knew that the Fed was going to make a certain move on interest rates or QE, he would be making big trades, millions of dollars ahead of time, in order to uh, make a make a buck off it. What do you make of that, Sam? Do you think? Uh, I, I, yeah, it just seems like a strange thing to do. If you're a Fed governor, you've already got an incredibly lucrative compensation package waiting for you in a Wall Street bank afterwards in a consultancy position, or it's, you know, Citadel or wherever. I think, yeah, Ben Bernanke and I think Janet Yellen, both, both are at Citadel now, earning mad fees for their expertise that they have learned through a career of public service, et cetera, et cetera. And <laughs> uh, Clarice just like wants to jump the gun. He's like, yo, I've got holidays. I've got, you know, kids I need to sit, put through incredibly expensive private school. I need the money now, man. So if I can, if I can just make the buck now, I'm, I'm just going to do it. And now he's got to go. I mean, yeah, try it. Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. huh? I mean, look, they do it all the time. Um, and I think people now are again, waking up to the fact that this has been going on for a very long time and that it is really shit poor, but um, you know, it won't change. Like, was it Pelosi was like, you know, it should be a free market. We should be allowed to make trades. It's like, fuck. She's literally just green lit her own insider trading. Yeah. I love that. It's a free market. Of course, politicians should be able to trade based on insider information as to where public funding is going yeah, before fuck. anyone knows about it. A uh, very free market indeed. Uh, I truly- mean, they do, they've, there are these bullshit loopholes and allow them to do that. Um, but it's wrong. I mean, if we did that, I'd fucking go to jail. <laughs> yeah. Big time. Big time. Jesus. That's what, that's why we're gonna we're gonna stand for stand as MPs, aren't we? You can be uh, hey, the, yeah. really an MP for Wolverhampton. Go for yeah. it, man. And then um, you know we'll just um, hand out like contracts to. I'll, I'll give you a contract to make some masks and shit, man. Yeah, yeah. Give me give me that business, man. Yeah, I'll, I'll roll that. I'll roll those contracts too. Big time, yeah. Front me, and then uh, yeah, we'll we'll somehow get Triple B involved as yeah. well. well. And then we'll be like lords and shit. Yeah, yeah, we'll get that knighthood. I could, I could, I could be. I think I'd make a good lord. Yeah, no, and uh, you know, come on. If uh, David Cameron's wife's stylist can be a lord, oh, why can't I be a lord as well? Yeah. Come on, I mean, I think I can that's style the. Her. Yeah, it's the big question kids today should be asking themselves. 
why can't I be a lord? Yeah, make I mean, it, I mean, Tony Blair, Order of the Garter. So this is personal invitation of the Queen only. So you know, anyone can be a lord if you get the right political connections. But you know, the Queen herself was like, "Yo, Tony Blair, you should be Order of the Garter." You know what? He might take Andrew's place then. <laughs> Tony Blair, the Duke of York. <laughs> that would be quite something, wouldn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm sure he wouldn't refuse. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, uh, yeah. From yeah, one clusterfuck to another, hey? <laughs> yeah, big time. Big Shane time. government to the royal family. Yeah, Lord Volkering has a, has a good ring to it, you know? Doesn't it, right? No. A, a British lord of Australian origins with Dutch descent. I mean, yeah. I'm the I am the multicultural woke future of the House of Lords. Yeah, big time. I can see you. Uh, yeah, I, I mate, I, we're all relying on you, okay, to strike down the legislation that does the same uh, ban on cigarettes as we've seen in in New Zealand. So I'm sure there's going to be some nut job in the Commons who's going to try and put this forward as legislation that we need to start banning cigarettes for everyone. Uh, who are uh, below a certain age. And when that happens, we're all counting on you to be the person in the, the unelected, unaccountable member of the Lords who will strike down the legislation uh, as I, being uh, un-British. I promise to strike down these very antiquated un-British laws. And yes. uh, if anybody listening would like to uh, help fund my rise to power, um, by all means, I will accept donations in Bitcoin, and um, and and, and uh, yeah, yeah, get 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 amongst it, get behind me. I'm I'm going, I'm going to the top, baby. Thank you for your future service, Sam. We all uh, we all believe in you. <laughs> all right, folks, there you have funny. it. It's gonna be funny in like 15 years when I'm literally prime minister. Yeah, somebody's gonna bring up this episode, yeah. and uh, they're gonna try and use it to torpedo your ascent. Are they going to like, try and cancel me for something I said on like episode 40 or something? But it's going to totally backfire on it. Everyone's going to listen to this and be like, whoa, Sam is such a cool guy. Yeah. Look at this. Look at the vigor in this young man. He must be in the Lords now. Yeah. This is exactly the kind of individual we need. And then you're not only going to be, you're going to get all, you know, you'll be a Lord. You'll be like Lord Commander of the British Empire, et cetera, et cetera. People should want somebody that isn't from their country who wants to make their country better. I think that's like, a that's like, I have come here. I've chosen to be here. I wasn't just like yeah. lumped here out the womb. I chose to come here and I want to choose to make it a better place. Get behind it. Volco 2030s. Bosh. A, a true embodiment of British values, just standing. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, joining us on this podcast, a, a great honor to be with the future Lord Volko, <laughs> Lord Volko of Wolverhampton. <laughs> it does have a nice ring to it. <laughs> it, uh, it does. It does. Yeah. So uh, I hate the global elites until I become one of them. And then I'll, you know, I probably won't be so critical. Yeah, and you'll kick the ladder down to make sure that nobody yeah. joins you up there as well. Mate, yeah. you're, I can't wait for you to see your, you'll be in um, Burke's Landed Gentry and your coat, coat of arms will somehow have a kangaroo on it. I would like infiltrate the inner sanctum and then tear it fucking down. Now, Sam just wants to get invited to that BYOB with the, with the prime minister, I reckon. Yeah, I'm just not going to lie. I, just do, I do. I just want to go to a garden party at number 10, BYOB. And I'd bring, I'd bring my own beer and... I would, or bring your own booze, and bring I would your bring, own buckfast. Bring my own Chinese takeaway. Uh, yeah, I think BYOB is actually bring your own buckfast. This it suddenly all comes together for me.
Why? <laughs> we haven't reviewed Buckfast on the show yet. We need to do that. That's you... going to happen. All right. All righty. We have rambled for long enough, I think, this session. Uh, thank you to all who have lasted thus far. The episode <laughs> 70 of Booze, Booms and Busts has been great as ever. In the meantime, I uh, hope you all have a very good weekend as we head through 2022. And we shall be back again next week. But in the meantime, have a good one. Have a nice beer. And uh, yeah, try and relax and uh, don't go as crazy as they are over in New Zealand and Australia. Bye-bye.